Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass. I'm your host, Sam, from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. And I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. Yes, you are. Uh, each week we get together, we talk about cars, motorsport, F1... Car, what else? Cars? Cars? We cars, cars, cars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can watch us on youtube.com forward slash behind the glass. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. And Tony, if people want to support this podcast, what should they do? Watch it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but also head to Patreon. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash behind the glass. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Tony, we've been teasing it for a long time. It's finally here. Our EV special. Someone that knows what he's talking about for a change. Because we don't. Uh, we have to introduce you, Sam. Welcome to Behind the Glass, the podcast. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much Never for coming. A specialist thing. I've already. I'm starting to feel like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell have I done? You are a brave man. Uh, not for coming on the podcast, but for coming to a room with Tony here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say resident EV hater. Yeah. Uh, um, and you did turn up in a Tesla today, right? I did. Yeah. yeah. Did he? Turned up in a Tesla. Did you really? Yeah, Model 3. How funny would it have been if you'd have turned out in a big V12? <laughs> <laughs> I think he would have said, please don't talk about this on the podcast. I'd have yeah. dropped him right in it. You would have immediately. <laughs> um, before we go any further, we should probably uh, credify. Have I just made that word up? I think yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a good word though. Uh, at least, you know, explain why you are our expert this week. We're going to certify you. That's the word. Verify you as if or you were on Instagram. Or verify, yeah. We're going to blue tick you. <laughs> <laughs> Is that certified before you crucify? Yeah. yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you were to elevate a pitch yourself um, to someone, uh, could you explain to our audiences, I guess, a little bit of your background in the world of EVs? We can go right back to school if you want, but I think let's no, let's would, keep it on EVs. No, let's not kill the audience straight away, right? Um, yeah, so I've been, I've been driving EVs for ugh, 18 plus years, I think. Um, started... <laughs> Is it already? You started yeah, already? I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so I started in, in two-wheeled uh, motorbikes and scooters back in the early 2000s. Um, just in seeing them all in China and just the fact there's millions of them everywhere. There was there was 20 years ago, let alone today. Um, so I started in that sort of sphere and started to learn a lot about EVs at the beginning. Um, but it was too early to market, really. Um, someone on my right might say it still is, but we'll, we'll come to that. Um, but uh, And then I ran a, my own delivery company in central London for 10 years called Newt, which was a last mile delivery company using a fully electric fleet. Um, so I grew that from nothing to something. Um, and then more recently, um, once I sold that, I, I then joined GridServe, who are building amazing infrastructure um, and solar and, and hybrid um, developments all over the country. So 
Um, the bit I'm focused on is is the vehicle side, um, but also a little bit on the infrastructure as well. So um, that's one of the hot topics as, as it's been on your podcast previously around infrastructure. And, and I now work for a company that's building out that in, in serious numbers. So um, for me as an EV evangelist, it's quite a good place to be. I could imagine. Can I ask though, was there ever a time when you were into petrol cars? I said, were you ever a petrol head? Uh, a little bit. My my parents are both ex-racing drivers. Um, oh. I used to race carts when I was a young lad. Uh, wasn't very good, but I, I did. Um, we, ha- we have some experience with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm so, good. No, you're not. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I've, I've always loved cars. Always loved cars. But um, I think when I got the, went the hook into EVs all those years ago, I just thought, yeah, this is, this is the future and it's really good fun. And it's just a case of the technology developing and getting better. So it becomes more mainstream. And the very fact that you have kindly invited me onto things like this starts to make me think that at least it's getting into more of the mainstream sort of logic and mindset. Whereas a few years ago, it would be preaching to the choir every time. So all of my people I would present to in the past have been the people that are sort of already converted. Whereas with some trepidation, I'm on a forum like this where, where the audience is probably a little bit more sceptical at this point in time and, and, and rightly so and fair enough, you know. Uh, and I wouldn't even say we're that mainstream. I think we're still quite niche. You know, we are a, a petrolhead enthusiast kind of audience. You know, definitely in terms of this podcast, Tony, I would say is potentially even an EV hater. I mean, you are definitely against the idea of electric vehicles mm. at the moment. Yeah. Whilst I'm definitely way more open to it, I've had positive experiences with the cars, but not the infrastructure. And I see the potential and also the benefits of at least inner city electric vehicles. So, but you know, but but even still, despite that, we are people who love yeah V twelves, V eights, V ten, you know, big engines, performance cars, and it's been interesting over the last year or so since we've been doing more of these podcasts to see how many of our audience have been trying to make that leap across to EVs. You know, we have seen a lot of Taycan buyers potentially, yeah, I mean, yeah. or specifically even. Um, but more and more, you know, when we talk about electric vehicles, the comment section does light up yeah. with people who are diehard obsessives and are telling us how much we're getting wrong people who've maybe put a foot into that world and are still trying to figure it out. And then people like Tony who are just like, death to the EV. <laughs> it's, it's funny you should say that because I made a couple of notes. Oh, God. Oh. Watch out, Tony. And uh, just a couple of your quotes, Tony. One was, uh, National Grid would fry, which is false. Um, okay. Ooh, it, it's, straight in. It's, uh, it's like a mobile phone battery. No, it's not. Um, okay. um, batteries only last seven or eight years. That's not true either. But you did okay. say, you, were, you also, and I quote, pissing in the wind, which I think is true. <laughs> So I'll take that one. Oh, so I the... was actually going to be nice, but I'm going to really go in like, I'm going to finish him off. Already my favourite episode I've ever done. Someone's just coming to ruin Tony's day. Well, you know, Sam, you've set it up perfectly. I think, you know, we've got lots to talk about and, and some of the patrons have been very kind and submitted some questions as well that we want to get onto. Yeah. But let's just tackle those kind of three points really to, to kickstart things because it is something that we do actually repeat quite a lot and they're things that either we've been told or picked up on from various sources but obviously let's yeah let's try and debunk those myths so right. let's kick things off i guess your first point was national grid would fry was yeah. that your well that was tony's quote well, it was mine, but, tony's quote. Yeah. but to be fair i have heard as well you know there's a very popular youtuber in my space called uh, harry metcalf or harry's garage uh, who's a farmer as well, and, and he shares a lot, I think, is it Grid Watch? Is that right? Or there's somewhere you can get some stats on national grid usage mm-hmm. here in the UK. And, and he shares some of these tweets and talks about usage and things like that. Uh, and I've also heard from people who, you know, utilities business talking about the potential of the grid frying. If, for example, everyone in London today switched to an EV, if everyone in this entire city was driving an EV, 
would the grid fry? What's the capacity there? So, so no, it wouldn't, is the answer. Um, and uh, a very good friend of mine, Graham Cooper, who works at National Grid, I'm often talking to, and he writes a lot of stuff on, on myth-busting in terms of this sort of topic. So it's, it, you know, the, my source of information is reasonably decent. Um, but the example he's always given is that um, in 2002, back in 2002, when we were just generally consuming energy, we were using about uh, 62 gigawatts of energy per year. Now, um, in more recent years, um, as in now, um, because everything is just more efficient, all of our all of our electronics is more efficient, we use 16% less energy now than we did then. So already we've dropped the consumption per capita on the basis that we're more efficient with the way we use energy. Even it, with EVs? Even with EVs. Well, there aren't that many yet, but right. that's the... And this the is reason the, for that. And this is the crux of the topic, is that if everybody were to be in an EV tomorrow... Which is impossible. It's not going to happen because everything everything needs to it needs to <laughs> scale up. Yeah, but it, if it did, we would need around ten percent more capacity to support it. So we had we were using sixteen percent more. Uh, what eighteen years ago? Okay. So, so the 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 energy issue isn't an issue. There is there is sufficient capacity um, by virtue of the energy we're generating because we've already generated enough eighteen odd years ago. So we know we can do it. The, the thing which is more important is around the um, energy capacity and the smartness in the way we use the energy. Because if everyone is trying to charge an EV at five o'clock in the afternoon and everyone's doing the same thing, it's not going to work. There's just not enough to do that. So what we need to get intelligent about is how we use the energy, not about whether there's enough of it. Okay. So, so it's all about the smartness. So when I plug my car in at the end of the day, I plug it in at five in the afternoon or whatever, or evening, it won't start charging until half past 12 at night for two reasons. One, because um, I've set it that way. And the second reason, it's cheaper for me to, to charge it. It's 10 pence a kilowatt hour less to, ch to charge it that time in the morning. So the, I think the important thing is that we need to get clever in the way that we distribute the energy and then we'll be fine. But this whole sort of myth of, oh, everyone's having EV tomorrow, the world's going to go and the world's going to end, it's just not going to happen because we're completely nutty planned for it. National Grid is planning and preparing for it on every, every day. It's not, it, there isn't going to be some horror show of, a, of an event of a surge and suddenly everyone's dead. on ev overnight and suddenly we're not gonna be able to, it's just not going to happen it's just you know we got so much planning has already gone into it there's so much more renewables in this country than there was before in, in 2019 we had far more renewable energy generated than we did in fossil fuels i'm sure statistically last year was even better we're you know grid server producing solar farms like they're going out of fashion we've got wind farms going up we've got there's so much renewable energy as well that's this growing all of the time. So, so that's one myth that it's just it's just not going to happen. Well, that's well not uh, Tony's foaming at the mouth. So I'm fuming. Go, go. <laughs> well, because well, you've contradicted yourself, boy. Because you just said you just said that if everyone switches their electric car on at five o'clock, it's not going to work. So that that was what I was trying to put across. You're right that there'll be smart meters and people will charge them at certain points of the day, but if you cut your hand off in the middle of the night and your car's not charged, and you need to go to the hospital. What'd you do then? Well, if if everyone tried to fill their car up with petrol at the same time, that's not going to work either, is it? But you, you, it's all distributed across, and everybody uses it at different times in order to have enough supply for everyone when they need it. That's also correct, but there's also and I'm not planning on cutting my arm off in the middle of the night either. <laughs> no, no, no. But any, but Tony you know, accidents. Yeah, I am. <laughs> accidents happen. Firstly, there's a, there's other scenarios as well. You could, not you personally, but your wife could be about to give birth. The ambulances are going to be electric. What if for any reason they're not charged properly? The the petrol thing that you've just said, that's fair enough. The problem I have with the... I get one, one point for that. No, 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 no. He hasn't got any points yet. The, the, the thing I'd say about the petrol, which is my biggest problem with EVs as well, is that the time it takes to charge them up. You know, if everyone queued up for petrol, it wouldn't take... The queue would be a lot 
quicker to go down than it would be if you like to charge a load of electric vehicles. I'll jump in and say I assume that that is ever improving, though, right? I, I, you know, it's got sure, to. surely you know there are the ability, there is the ability to charge some vehicles with some charges in a short time, and that's got to be decreasing. I assume that's part of the forward planning. Yeah, I mean everything's forward planned. You know, we, we, we're not. No one's suggesting that everyone needs to be in an EV overnight, and, and the infrastructure is is yet ready for it anyway because it isn't. You know, that's the reality of it. When but will it, it be ready? Well, it's growing all the time. You know, we put in um, we put in twelve high power charges in rugby service station the other week. You know, they all work. They all work. They're all being utilised every day. It's, it's brilliant. Uh, your point about the ambulance is, is a good one. I mean, it's that's a massive vehicle, really, really heavy. It's got loads of kit in it. The chances of turning that electric in the next few years is, is pretty minimal. Because, Fire engines. Well, the same, the same thing. The reality, Police. the reality is that's going to take some time before mm-hmm. those big, big things can be moved around an EV. But the cars, small light vans. You know, I had I had a fleet of 120 vehicles, electric vehicles in London every and day. And a long time ago as well. Working fine. Yeah, yeah. 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 Started to, started that what 10, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. So. It, I've proven it works because I did it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm not just talking about it. I did mm. it. Yeah, yeah. But in a very confined area, by the way, in central London, where you do the odd mile here and there, oh. you didn't, you didn't, you didn't go to, you didn't go to Scotland to deliver a parcel, did you? You stayed in central London. <laughs> no, yeah. Again, it's going to take time before vehicles can travel the whole length of the country in one hit. Mm. In the same way, you can't do it with the petrol either. But well, you, you know. What? Well, well, depends which car you're yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go in a big V12 Ferrari, no chance. <laughs> you're going to be stopping six times in, on the way. In up. most normal cars, on a tank of fuel, you'd be able to drive to Scotland. No problem. I think the point being that, as we've spoken about before, it's a mentality change, right? Because in a petrol vehicle, in a diesel vehicle, even if you can't manage it on one tank, it might add five, ten minutes to your journey length. And so you, you're essentially going in one flow, where at the moment, with the current infrastructure and setup, the chances of finding a high-speed charger on that journey, it being free, it working at that point in time, or, or working with your car, uh, are small. So therefore, you're probably going to be adding an hour, two hours to your journey time, depending on how many stops you need to make. So uh, it, at the moment, to anyone who's doing that for... If you're going on a nice, lovely trip with your family and you're no big rush, sure, you build it into your strategy. You have a nice time at whichever service station. They're all beautiful. Um, and and, and yeah, I was being sarcastic there. Um, I was adding on to the journey. But of course, I think Tony's big hesitance with a lot of this, for example, if he was to change his work van or his work vehicle, which he uses to go and pick up and buy stock and swap things over, he's always on the go and time is money. So at the moment when you're having to take that time out to charge that is also, you know, costing money, theoretically. It's slowing you down and what you can achieve. So I'm assuming back 10 years ago when you were running the van fleet, how many, each of those vans must have still covered a fair distance going in and around London all day, every day. Would they do that on one charge or did they have to take a break back then? Comfortably did it on charge. Um, you know, the guys were doing 30, 40 miles a day, um, doing 200 drops a day. They were really, really highly productive. Um, and, and we can't just look at things in isolation in any of the economics, right? So some of the things you just raised are absolutely valid. Uh, but some of the, the the asset value of the of the vehicles are more expensive, but then I make it back on no congestion charge, no VAT, uh, sorry, not VAT, no, um, no road tax, no um, very little running cost, no fuel, obviously. Um, so I, I, in the round, it made business sense because I was able to, to balance it all out so that I gained on some and lost on other areas. But ultimately, it became you know a, a business that could make a profit. Um, and, and, and there's a practicality to that. Um, and as far as charging, you know, I've done thousands and thousands of miles in EVs over the years, and, and it's getting easier every single time. I came here today. I stopped at a, a, a charger for 10, 15 minutes. I, I, by the time I'd had a wee, I checked my emails. I'd have made a phone call. 
Um, I was back on the road with an extra 80, 90 miles. You know, I'd barely even known I'd stopped. And, and I only did that so that I, on the way home tonight, I don't even have to think about it. Go all the way home, not a problem. I could probably done the, the journey in one hit anyway. But I baked in, I'd been driving for two hours. I baked in a bit of a time to, you know, grab a coffee, check my emails and charging became secondary. And I'm not suggesting that's the same for everyone right now, but even today I've proved that it's not a problem and it's only 20 minutes. I had to leave a little bit earlier just to do that, just to make sure I got back just fine. So, you know, I'm not suggesting for a second it's perfect, but it's totally doable. I mean, I've been doing it for years. And is that because you've been doing it for years? Because I think one thing is, you know, these let's take away petrol heads, people who are just enthused by the idea of an electric vehicle. Because I know lots of friends who've never thought of having a car, either live in Central London or outside, who are suddenly like, oh yeah, I'm going to go buy an EV. Like, oh, whether that's a Taycan or just a, I don't know, a smaller one, but an Audi e-tron or whatever. Uh, it's really bad. It's actually quite a bigger. I only know the premium models. A, a, a Golfie <laughs> or a dick. Yeah, thank you very or, much. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they're now considering these. But if it's your first time, your brain isn't programmed like that. You've become very good and very uh, well-trained at when and how to sort of keep your car going at the best time. So that thought of just chucking on 80 or 90 miles just to mean that you can get home in one charge. Most people, I think, will think, I've got to charge it fully. And so that must take time to, you know, wrap your head around and figure out. So you've, what's your sort of advice there? Because I think that's still a barrier to entry. I, if I went and bought an EV today, I would get frustrated. And I think I would then think this isn't worth it and sell it. Yeah, and I think that's probably part of the challenge we've got to get over. And, and being in forums like this is, you know, frankly a privilege because it means that we get to talk about it in a, in a real world environment and, and, and address some of those concerns. And um, I think the reality for a lot of people that live in London is that a lot of um, not they don't have access to a, to a garage or, or, a, or a driveway to charge. So we've got to think huge of a, problem. another way of doing it. And that's where the infrastructure needs to catch up. I think the reality is that trying to change pe- culture or trying to change people's behaviour, especially the likes of Tony, for example, is going to be a tough sell. So we've got to find ways of continually making it more, more, more fitting and befitting to the way in which he is used to used to driving around. Now, you can't do 500 miles in one go on an EV right now, and you can't fill up in 10 minutes or five minutes as you do with a petrol. But you you can do the length, length of the country on a couple of charges, which might take you 40 minutes, say, on, the, on a couple of charges. So it's not a million miles away and it's getting better all the time. The Taycan, the, the uh, uh, Hyundai Ionic 5 on the on the 800 volt platform is enabling much, much faster charging, loads more energy in a short period of time. So every single month almost, there's another advancement in the technology, which means it's getting closer to the scenario that we're all traditionally used to of just jumping jumping in a car and, and then going to the petrol station. And and for, for, for the other 60% of people that do have off-street parking in the UK, they've got the luxury of being able to fill that thing up with energy while they're sleeping. They don't have to go to a petrol station anymore at all because nearly all of their um, their needs, energy needs, will be delivered while they're asleep. And, and most people don't travel that far in any direction anyway. You know, it's, it's literally tens of miles at maximum, the av- average consumption of miles in this country. So... But we all want that comfort of knowing if we want to go 300 miles, we can. And that's the, well, it doesn't matter that you only do very short journeys if one in and 30 of them is is a long journey. You want to know that when you're going up the services that you can stop at something like a grid serve uh, electric highway, for example, bang in loads of energy and then and then be on your way. I was going to let you jump into any if you no, wanted no. to. Okay, fine. So there was one point you made a little bit earlier where you said, obviously, uh, sort of cost, whilst the, the cost of the vehicle might be higher, you can save in other places. Is charging getting more expensive? Because I definitely remember, I had that each one for a while and I did a full charge and it was 30 odd quid or something like that, where I definitely, there was a preconception at one point that charging was free. 
So is it now becoming more expensive? There's a, there's a really broad range of prices in the market. And, and um, there was a time when a lot of the network was free. A lot of the stuff in Source London and in, in, in London was free. Um, and then people started charging for it. It was a shock and awe that it wasn't free anymore. But you know, obviously someone's got to pay for energy in the same way you pay for fuel. Um, there's a real massive price disparity in the marketplace at the moment. So um, your grid serve on one scale is 24 pence a kilowatt hour, which is about 20 or 30% more than you pay uh, at home. Um, but there's other networks that, that charge nearly three times that. And in fact, in some cases, even more. So, so there, is, there is areas where it's very, very affordable and there's other, other providers that are, are, are overpriced in the market. So it, it, yeah, there are, there, are, there are some pretty painful examples out there of charging and costing 30, 40 pounds to fill up with energy, but that's not the case everywhere. And I think the market, again, because it's in embryonic, it will, it will naturally find its rhythm and it'll find where the price point needs to be. There's an awful lot of investment gone into infrastructure um, that needs to be recovered somewhere, um, and the market needs to balance itself out. So you get to that to where the where the pence per kilowatt hour should be, which is the you know, equivalent of of, um, of of pence per liter. So we've just got to find that balance. But th- there are places where it's too high. Well, what the, the the experiences that I've had, it's been more expensive than fuel, and going, more expensive than fuel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, charged I charged an eye free up. I had to get it back from. Yorkshire, it's not the best example of a car because it only does 100 miles mm. to, to range. It's not a great example, but I needed to get that car from north to south. Right. The only way i do it was drive it. We had to stop three times, 40 minutes the time, however long it was, 45 minutes, however long it was, and we paid 12 quid a time to charge it, something like that. We had a Golf GTD told you this story yeah but i, th- I thought it went, was i thought you were 18 pounds all in but but i didn't realize no, you stopped three that. times yeah. yeah it was about 30 quid or whatever it was a bit more 35 quid maybe we had a golf gtd that we went up and back on the same fuel yeah in terms of fuel and as well i disagree with the pricing i understand that as things move on and you've got to have your money back but there's a wonderful thing in this country called tax which we pay a lot on on fuel so if if electricity is priced at that money now before and it's supposed to be cheaper now you know it's this big this big boom of go and buy an electric car because yeah it's a bit more expensive but it's cheap or free to run it's not and there's no tax element yet that's coming when everyone's got it because that's how they get their money they can't they're not going to release fuel from the world and say right we're not spending any money on fuel anymore there's a huge void in tax that'll go on electric so it'll be more and the cars will be more You'll end up renting them. The way that the way that they package them together and you buy them will be a different way, um, and they'll probably they'll probably end up even selling the power differently. These manufacturers of how you how you release power so you can have it on demand, probably on your phone. But there'll be a price. There'll be a charge for it, and it'll be more. I think that the um, the overall um, pricing structure in the UK on the roads is going to change anyway. Inevitably, I mean, there's there's a. You know, we all there's a ban on petrol and diesel anyway in, in by 2030. So it's going to have to change the, the economics of how they how they get their tax for for the consumption needs to change. But I think at the same time we've got incentives to kickstart the market. So we've got we've got um, uh, plug-in car grants. We've got reduction, massive reduction in benefit in kind tax for for, for company cars. 
Um, and all those things will, will naturally change over time. And we're in this, you know, whether you like it or not, we're in this transitionary period between, between ICE and EV. And, and there has to be an incentive to kickstart the market. But mm-hmm. at the same time, that needs to be tapered off. Not, not some sticky plaster, again, overnight, all of a sudden, everything's too expensive. It needs to be tapered. But, but the EVs on the road still need to pay for the, for the road. Yeah, yeah, of so, course. So we've, we've got to just, find, you know, the government's got to find the right mechanism to blend, blend that in. But, yep. you know, we're in this transitionary period, so it's got to be, it's got to be uh, affordable for everybody, but it's also got to be um, a suitable tra- economic transition. I mean, we've already seen that, that electric cars are more affordable than what they were five years ago. They are, you know, mm. all these manufacturers, they are, because they're making more of them. The biggest problem I have with them is, I know you've mentioned the infrastructure, but the more cars that hit the market, the worse it's going to become. Are you going to be able to grow that infrastructure quick enough by 2030? Because you're miles off at the minute. Let's be honest, we're miles off in terms of how how we charge them, how how we we not not to some people, but to a lot of people like me that use them as a tool, as a business. And there's so many businessmen that that's how they use their cars. There's another problem, lorries as well. I don't think, how do you build batteries and electrics? Well, I guess that's a whole nother topic, right? Is, is heavy, heavy weighted vehicles, you know, yeah. planes, ships, lorries, which I suppose we can come on, but I want to pick up, that's a really good point that Tony was making there. Um, Cause I think, you mentioned before that, you know, it's not a sort of, let's all go EV now, but I would actually disagree. I think that's very much the case. I think from from governments around the world, but also from manufacturers, there's this thought of, it's all EV. I mean, Jaguar, a brand I love completely, mm. are going all EV. There's all these brands yeah. who are coming out and declaring, that's all you're going to be able to buy. So I actually feel an unbelievable amount of pressure and almost fear that very soon I'm not going to be able to buy anything else. My mum had an Evoke for years. They've just confirmed that the next Evoke is going to be all EV. So I said to her, That's, you're out, that's it, you're done. So I actually think that there is a chance that there'll be more EV demand or more EV ownership before infrastructure levels. But t- talk to us about that because you know we have been going through it with the infrastructure. There is definitely a push for us to buy EVs is that being equaled in the infrastructure? I think the infrastructure is behind and it needs to catch up, and it is. I mean, the, the guys like Grid Server are building phenomenal amounts of electric forecourts with, with huge amounts of, of, of charging um, uh, connectors and charging the 30, the one in Braintree, it's got 36 chargers on one site with chargers that can go up to 350 kilowatts, which is way more than even the Taycan can take right now. So we future-proofed it as well to make sure that you can bang in a couple of hundred miles of, of range. In Braintree? Well, that's one of over a hundred. There's the four ne- people that live in Braintree. <laughs> well, What's up, Braintree? <laughs> no, well, but you know uh, what I mean. Yeah, like, but, put yeah. it in the middle of a field. Well done, guys. Well, it's not in the middle of a field. Moreover, we're building over a hundred of them yeah, over yeah. the next five years. Yeah, yeah, we've fair. got. We've just acquired part of the electric highway, which is eighty-five percent of the service station network, and we're building a, a, a layer of hubs beneath it. So there'll be hun- and that's just what we're doing. I'm not suggesting for a second that we can do it on our own because we can't. And that's yeah, a problem in London. Everybody else needs to do the same thing. It's a problem in London, by the way, because. Space. Yeah, but you know they're doing clever things in London with telephone poles and things like that. I quite like the idea of being able to charge, you know, plug into telephone poles and light light. Yeah, that'd be all right until someone unplugs it. Just because uh, you can't do because it's locked in. 
Do you not know that? It. Do you not know that when you no, no, when someone, you plug in a charger, it I locks. I do actually know yeah. that. Yeah, but okay. but okay. Well, someone vandalizes it because that that can happen. Well, someone vandalized car anyway. Exactly. Good point. Yeah. Like, but, the, yeah but did you see that TVR footage at the weekend? No. From the, I think it was pro-Palestine protest and TVR in South Kensington and guys are just jumping on it and kicking it and destroying it. It wasn't an EV. Some, just... If someone vandalizes the car, you can still drive it. If someone vandalizes an EV, you can't because you've cut the charge and it won't go. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> no, but hold on a sec. Your point being... <laughs> that doesn't that, make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Why? Because What's that then? What you're say, it's, like somebody, it's like saying somebody cutting the petrol hose as you're refueling and therefore you can no longer go because you haven't yeah. got any fuel in your car. Exactly. The, the vandalizing of an EV only matters if, yeah, if they cut the charging But that's point. what they would do. But Why? Why? Why not? Well, what? But do they why cut they? petrol hose pipes? Because, because people vandalize things normally to be inconvenient and, and awful and horrible. How often do people siphon fuel these days? They can't. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, okay, fine. They can't. But, but <laughs> stop saying thank you. You don't win. <laughs> you yeah, yeah, that's, can I start doing thank you? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Tick, win for me. <laughs> Let's move on. Next one. <laughs> just, just, yeah. just so that people, because I think we should have clarified at the beginning. Whilst it's great that you're here, Sam. Uh, this is not a grid uh, sponsored podcast. No, no, uh, sorry. So, yeah. so who else in the space is? Because BP right have just done the. Is it the Ionity stuff? Or what do they do? Uh, yeah, I know Shell are doing a lot of... Yeah, there's Ionity, there's Shell, there's, um, there's BP, there's uh, Ubertricity, who you referenced before, the lamppost charging, yeah. Source London. Um, uh, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a myriad of different um, charge point operators, CPOs, as we call them, um, and they all do different things as well. So That's got, what I was going to yeah, ask. We've got on-street charging, we've got lamppost charging, we've got high-power charging, we've got hubs, we've got stuff in rural areas. It's all it's all growing. There's, there's something like 15,000 different connections uh, available in the UK at the moment in terms of public sockets you can plug into and get energy from. That does flatter deceive because um, a lot of that stuff is probably not where you want it to be and it's too slow. But there's 5,000 connectors out there, 8,000 petrol stations, and, and the, it's hard to compare the two because they're very different things. But it's the beginning of the, of the change. It's the beginning of more and more things going in the ground. And certainly the stuff at the service stations is going to be a big thing because that's where certainly, you know, the major arteries throughout the UK, that's where a lot of the power needs to be and then needs to be delivered to vehicles from those locations. But there's lots and lots of different types of charging. And that will fit different use cases. There's also another problem with that, with that, what you just said, 15,000 chargers and, and what you said about the petrol stations and whatnot. Petrol pumps always normally work unless they run out. How many times do you go to an electric charge point? It's not working. We'll be back with Sam in two seconds to hear how he responds to all those points made by Tony. But firstly, you may remember a few weeks ago, we were very kindly sponsored by Coin Corner, who make the world of buying and selling Bitcoin easier than ever. However, as I introduced Coin Corner and tried to explain a little bit about Bitcoin, I said that Elon Musk would even let you buy a Tesla using Bitcoin. Then a few hours before that episode went live, Elon Musk came out and said, you can no longer buy a Tesla using Bitcoin. And I looked a bit silly. Luckily, Coin Corner are pretty lighthearted about these things and they realise they can't control the price of Bitcoin before any sponsorship goes live and they very kindly offered to sponsor a number of future episodes of this podcast. So we're very grateful to have them on board. If all this chat about Bitcoin's got you intrigued, if you noticed the comment section of that episode going crazy with people talking about the pros and the cons of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, head over to coincorner.com forward slash STG. Well, not only can you sign up and start trading, Bitcoin, but you can also find out a lot more. There's some amazing information on there so you can read up about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and decide if you want to get 
involved. If you do, as I say, coincorner.com forward slash STG or use my code STG when you sign up. And that way you'll get some sats, which are basically very small units of a Bitcoin. I got into the Bitcoin game late. I couldn't afford to buy a whole Bitcoin. So I own sats, just small units. And that's what you'll get for free when you sign up using that code STG or my link coincorner.com forward slash STG. So yes, thanks to them for ignoring my slight mess up a few weeks ago and willing to come back and sponsor future episodes. For now, let's get back to Sam and hear how he responds to those points made by Tony. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tools tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market it's, it's the same as all technology how good was your first iphone you know it's it, it, fair you know they everything is developed i think you can time. say well, what did you, what was the catchphrase? Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, you can say thanks at that point because he said fair, so you can no, say no, thanks. Because, yeah. because thanks. I've got something else to come back at okay, and carry so, on. So, so yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but it's not any good. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. But I think to, to, to carry on from Tony's point slightly because I had this experience with, with the e-tron. So, out of all these, you know, all these different people who are, you know, doing different kinds of charging points and different styles, what is that sort of I basically went and I tried to charge the e-tron and it was different connectors, different plugs, different uh, providers. And I basically couldn't find anything that seemed to fit or work. And that was a, so do you need to research and who's doing it well? Is there now a thousand different types that you need to check on? What's that sort of? Yeah. I mean, again, a bit like old technology where you had different USB connectors, et cetera, different lightning connectors for your iPhone. Eventually it streamed down to to a handful and we've got a couple of connector types for high power charging uh, one's called Chadamo, one's called CCS. Um, your older viewers might know um, VHS and Betamax in terms of two competing things. I do. DVD and Blu-ray yeah, for yeah. my uh, generation. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Well, well done. Um, uh, so a CCS typically is the one that's now now winning winning that race in terms of the common connector type. Uh, but there are only really two for, for DC charging. Um, and, and the second point around apps, et cetera, I totally agree with you. I've got like 19 different apps on my phone for different different yeah, providers. But, well, it is, but at the same time, um, a lot of it now is becoming contactless. You know, us and others just to have a contactless solution so that if you want to become a member and you want to benefit from different rates as a result and, and there's a degree of harbouring loyalty, then, then, then fully boots. But ultimately, you can turn up with a credit card and just pay. And, and that's what it needs to be, just like you do your coffee or your fuel, for that matter. Uh, and that's becoming more prevalent now as well, so that it's not complicated. There is only two connectors. You only got a credit or a debit card, and that's it, and you crack on. And, and it's definitely going that way, and it already is. So so I take your point in terms of there has been a 
there's been lots of different type one, type two star connectors for, for slower charging. There's Chatham OCC, all these different connectors. And, but then, you know, petrol, diesel nozzles, you know, it, it, the same sort of principle. There's a couple of different choices and you just know, you just know once you know, right? So we should move on from infrastructure because I know there was a couple of the points which you raised, which I also want to go into. But as a sort of takeaway then, if someone just tuned in now weirdly for some bizarre reason to the podcast. Halfway through. Yeah, you never yeah, know, Tony. Thanks. People trying to skip all the ads at the front. Um, you know, the one takeaway is that I think we, or maybe you would admit that right now infrastructure is behind. You do have to maybe, sorry, this is me paraphrasing what you said and putting words in your mouth, but you know that you do have to go into it knowing what to do, trying to find the best ways around the current system, but there are plans in place and the infrastructure should be improving every, you know, year on year, month on month. Is that the kind of... Yeah, it is. And, and one example I get, I'm lucky enough to be driving a Tesla and I've had it for a couple of years lucky. now. Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you walked into that I did, I did, I did. For a second, I forgot it was on my right hand side. Um, okay, so I've, 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 I'm, but I'm very pleased. I'm very pleased to be driving my Tesla. Uh, it's much quicker than most things on the road. Oi, oi. Uh, and... Um, uh, to, to nine reality. Go on, go on. Don't let him, don't let him interrupt you. Go on. <laughs> I do like to keep my license. Um, uh, but my point was going to be, until I got really interrupted, yeah. um, was there's there something like 40 or 50 superchargers around the UK. And that was enough for me a couple of years ago because I could get anywhere I needed to do without too much of a diversion because the network is brilliant. And you plug in and, and it just works. Um, so if, if you're lucky enough to have a Tesla uh, and, and that infrastructure was supported the number of vehicles that they had at the time and, and still does, what we now need is uh, an infrastructure to support everybody else that isn't driving a Tesla, that, but has the same same sort of scenario. So my my overarching point there is that with forty or fifty locations around the UK, that was enough for me to get anywhere I needed to be. But on the basis of a much smaller population of EV drivers, so as that grows, so too does the infrastructure need to do to support it. But providing we've got you know several hundred, probably several thousand, I suspect in the fullness of time, locations like that for everyone to utilise, much like a petrol station then it will work. You'll need more EV charging points than you will petrol stations as well, by the way, because it takes longer. So you need more. Currently takes longer. Currently, Currently takes, takes longer. longer. And we've got 36 charge points at our forecourt, which well, is fair. way more way more than a, a petrol pump. And you can charge in 20 minutes. So that And that's now. It's going to get better as things like the Onyx 5 and the Taycan, et cetera, they demonstrate the ability of a higher voltage platform that can that can distribute more energy more quickly. So it, already it's getting to the petrol station level, <laughs> albeit... We just started, and, and there's a long way to go. Fair, but and and thanks. as well, your 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 Tesla as well has also got the best network of charging. Okay. By the way, yeah. well, can we jump in on this actually? Because yeah. this is literally the point I wanted important. to move on to. Because of course, yeah, vehicles is is kind of the next uh, sort of section, I suppose. And and we will often get into trouble with many things on this podcast, but around Teslas because a bit like with iPhones or mainly the early adopter mentality. Tesla fans seem to be diehards and there seems to be no acceptance that anything could ever be better than a Tesla. Are they still leaps and bounds above any of the competition in terms of not only vehicle technologies, but infrastructure or nowadays is a tyke and always some of the other offerings on that level and, and you know, operating in the same way as a Tesla was. I think there's a couple of things there. Firstly, Tesla created a car, but they also created a network at the same time, which the others haven't done. Um, They're so, miles ahead in terms of network. So, right? Yeah. So in that regard, they thought about it and they and they create, because you know, the big OEMs, they produce vehicles. Somebody else deals with the petrol, um, which is the stuff that you burn and waste um, huge amounts of energy and pollute the planet. But apart from that, um, I think that's oh, one- Oh, we're th- going to come back to that. <laughs> 
Damn it. <laughs> you you stake the fire. Yeah. You stake the I fire. Keep sticking, I keep sticking twigs in a hornet's nest, don't I? Yeah. Really do. Yeah, I, was the, I was yeah. the wrong person to invite. I, <laughs> yeah. I literally glanced at Tony and they're like, oh, God. Yeah. Sorry, um, go on. So, yeah. yeah, on the one hand, Tesla's done a good job in creating infrastructure to support their own vehicles. Um, but also, they built something from the ground up. And that you know that's another reason why I'm a, I'm a reasonable Tesla fanboy, I suppose, at the moment. Because I love the fact that they've thought about it from the ground up, like something that didn't exist before. It hasn't been converted from a former petrol chassis, etc., and that does have its advantages. In the same way that um, I think you got, and this is where I'm moving into the world that I don't know, but I would, I, I believe that you know, convertible cars that were designed to be convertible in the first place are typically better than the ones that were converted later. And I think the same sort of logic applies. If you build something from the ground up, it's going to be better. Um, and some of the initial early vehicles um, were 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 designed from something previous, you know, so the the chassis was not created in the way that was suitable for, for an EV. But that's changing now. You know, things like the i3, I've got one of those, my wife drives that, you know, that was built from the ground up, great little town car, fantastic little thing, and does an amazing job. And again, from the ground up. And I think a lot of the technology in a Tesla, um, you know, is pretty impressive. It is a bit like driving an iPhone on wheels. You've got one screen in the middle, it does everything. And that's not to everyone's taste, but I, I typically get in a, in a, in a talk, traditional car now and look around and think, oh, this is a bit old fashioned and a bit slow, isn't it? You know, and, and that, that's just because I'm so used to this, effectively feeling a little bit like I'm sitting in the future. And you know, that's probably why people get a bit... Well, you are. You know, a bit, a bit sort of, a bit too glowy, glowy-eyed. That's not the right expression. Um, no, glowy-eyed, whatever. About yeah. it because, it, because it's designed to be so modern, if that's your, if that's your, your thing. But, but for me, as a sort of bit of a techie, I just love the simplicity of it, you know. For sure. Why, uh, why have why have fan vents when you don't need them if you just have blow air up and down? You know, what why it's more stuff for dirt to get stuck in. You know, it's all little things where they just made it so simple. Um and I th- but you know, the, there's there's new stuff coming out now that you know, again top end like the EQS for example, but it looks incredible. The interior interior is is like is something that the else. Merc? Is that yeah. the Merc? Yeah. So so they are catching up, but it's amazing how long it's taken them to get anywhere near. I mean, the, the Tesla Model S is what, 13, 14 years old now, something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. And, and, it's it's still, pro- and it's still modern, you know, by comparison to the new stuff coming out from some of the traditional OEMs. So I think they've done a really good job in, in just gra- um, from you know, blank sheets of paper and doing a pretty good job. So on that then, let's move on to the sort of the vehicle side. You mentioned that that's a big part of what you're doing, GridServe. Uh, the two points you made, which I guess kind of cross over into each other, that the, the batteries are a little bit like mobile phone batteries and that their sort of shelf life might be seven or eight years. So two, I, so that's the thing, right? Is How is battery technology coming on? Is that a concern? I Do they eventually just deplete what happens to a second-hand EV? Tony's definitely got some thoughts and opinions on that side of things. Yep. Um, because used values, especially when it comes to Tesla and things like that, is that market even there? And Tony, you'll definitely chime in on this, but but Sam has a sort of first point of view, you know, let's attack those two points, mobile phone like or seven and eight year shelf life. Yeah. Okay. So firstly, it's not like a mobile phone. The battery technology and composite is similar, um, but there's an entire battery management system that looks after all the individual cells in, a, in an EV. So they're far, far more protected. So whether or not the mobile phones are designed to, to, to wear out over a amount of time, they might be. So that you, you can bet buying, your life they are. Yeah, mm. well, I didn't say that, but you did. Um, but I think the reality is... <laughs> sued by Apple again. <laughs> <laughs> constantly, oh. being, constantly being sued on this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so the battery management system in an EV is completely superior to that of a phone, so you just can't compare the two. Um, there is a de- degradation factor, and I think in Tesla's terms, I think they, they say it's about a percent every year. 
Um, typically on on warranties of uh, all the major manufacturers are about seven or eight years or 100,000 miles, which is you know pretty good. And that's not to suggest that then they just fall off a cliff and die because they don't. You know, the, the the history of the Nissan Leaf, for example, which has been around eight forever, you know, they're, they're, they've got hardly any problems with any batteries for, for year after year and thousands and thousands of vehicles and they're still going strong. Um, even when you get to the point, wherever that may be, 10, 15 years into the future, when the when the battery degradation is such that it justifies a, a change, doesn't mean you have to throw the vehicle away. Just means the batteries need changing, which again is better for the environment. But those batteries can be repurposed. They don't go in the bin. They can be d- used for for battery storage. So just because they don't necessarily work to go um, discharge and recharge um, many, many, many times anymore, they can be used in a in a, in a house environment to, to store energy, you know, from solar on the roof or whatever. So they have a second life uh, in that context, and then they've got a third one because after that, and you're now looking at sort of 25, 30 years down the road from when they were made, and they're still being used for something. The third option. Well, the third stage, if you like, is to break those batteries down, recycle the components, and then put them back into batteries again. So they've effectively got three very justifiable and proven um, ways of recycling that same battery pack to, to put it into something else and, and reuse it. Um, conversely, you know, petrol engine, you stuck some fuel in it, which was produced by dead dinosaurs 300 million years ago, set it on fire, 70% of the, of the energy is lost in heat. And then you kick out loads of carcinogenic pollutants for your, for your children's awesome. no, you know, so, yeah, it's, it's a different, It's a different kettle of fish completely. We've yeah. got rain because of people like you. No. <laughs> Have you seen all this rain? Certainly don't start. You're going to get, that's going to start a whole People, like, people like me. The <laughs> comments are really going to start going wild. Um, but so, okay, so let's get on to used values. Because like any technology, right? Try selling a laptop that's two years old. Try selling an iPhone that's five years old there's just no inherent value and surely as this technology improves as more manufacturers become ev that's got to put a big question mark on used ev sales because i would assume if you're buying a five or six year old ev with that degradation and things like that not only are you getting old tech and old charging abilities and everything that battery performance is going to be less surely so is there even a market for that? And I'll definitely, we'll go to Sam first, but I, I do want Tony's thoughts on this because, yeah, what, is, what does that look like, the, the used market for EVs? I thought you were going to Tony first. Is it you, you first, for sure, because oh, okay. I'll, I'll let you get a word in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, again, like many things, used market is in, in, in the early stages because the vehicles haven't been around that long. Um, so um, things are starting to come through to the second-hand market. And I think like, like a traditional vehicle, you've got, you've got depreciation on the ba- because of the fact that there's wear and tear and, and you know, how much it's been used, how many miles something has travelled determines how much its second-hand value is. And I think in EVs, it's not going to be any different. Um, the, on, the, on the good news for EVs is that the maintenance is next to nothing. The brakes are hardly ever used because it uses its own engine to, 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 to um, uh, regenerative braking, slows the car down without needing to use your discs or your brakes very often, your pads. Um, so there's lots of reasons why why longevity of EVs is justifiable because there's so many so fewer moving parts and so many less things to wear out. But similarly, you've got the battery concern um, if there is one, um, and I think that's something that's going to have to be really well thought out in the secondhand market because what is the value of a secondhand vehicle if its battery's been replaced, for example? That will materially change the overall value of the of the vehicle. Um, which is something that's, I guess, materially different to what you would use to compare, you know, the glasses guide for EV, uh, for, for, for vehicles generally. Um, you know, what, what is that, what is that secondhand value based on certain parameters? I think we're going to have to look at what the end, what the, what the situation is with the batteries, um, what their state of health is. And much like on your iPhone, you can check the battery health. You can do that in an EV just the same. You can do it remotely. You don't have to actually even, you don't even have to check the car out physically. You can just go online and find out what the state of health is. And that will ultimately determine what, what the asset value is at that precise moment. So, 
again, like like all all technology, we seem to be clever in the way that we that we uh, understand and manage that data to then determine what the what the second hand value is. But there's what thirty something million cars I think on the road today, and a quarter of a million EVs. So there isn't going to be a strong second-hand market yet because it's so early. But there will be in the next four, five, six years. You know, um, as we get closer to that to that um, that change in regulation, there'll be more and more uh, on the market available as a lot of sort of third or four-year uh, lease of vehicles start to come back on stream. So Tony, we've spoken about it before. Um, you know, the fact that almost you wouldn't be nervous, but you wouldn't want to be taking on a seven, eight-year-old EV just because you don't know what it's going to do on your forecourt, but also because who's going to want it whilst the tech moves forward. So what's, what are your thoughts on future value, secondhand EVs? So um, I have an example of a Leaf that was about 10 years old. The battery was basically knackered. It writes the car off. Because they're not worth anything. Uh, that you know, you you buy a seven or eight year old Leaf. It's only five grand. And so, you say the battery's knackered. What you couldn't get it to charge properly. It wouldn't. Well, run. It, it'd come in at a dealership that I deal with. Okay. And he said, "Do you know what to do?" I haven't got a clue. He said the batteries have had it. It was, okay. an, it was an old Leaf. Mm-hmm. But but how do you know the batteries had it? Because that's what they told me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that, it, that, that was that's just one. That's just one example. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, that, has that made you, yeah, has made you nervous are, about... The chances are you need to know what the battery health really was rather than someone just say it's knackered. It might just be that it was one cell that was um, nearly replacing. I'm sure they checked me. No, but also, but this is the whole thing, right, is that there's an education that's needed globally with EVs. This is not just a... Um, Oh, okay, great. You know, we can all charge or we can't charge or they're more expensive or they're less expensive. We've all got to understand how to use these cars, how to buy them, how to sell them, how to run them, how to maintain them. It's such a point that I'd never even considered was maintenance. You know, of course, we're all used to servicing costs with petrol cars, but there I- There isn't any. But there I, isn't I, any, yeah. But that's, I just literally hadn't even thought of that. Which is, but, which is a plus. Which is a way. plus. Um, so thanks. Thanks. Um, no, there, there, <laughs> no, that, that is the plus. Yeah, you, or one you, of the pluses. Mm. You, can, you can wrap that up even wider. I mean- um, uh, let's t- pick two vehicles: uh, Mercedes EQC electric and and the GLC equivalent. So the GLC is, I've got it written down actually. Uh, it's about uh, ten, twelve thousand pounds cheaper. The the petrol equivalent vehicle. Okay. So the the the, the original lease cost is going to be more for the EV, but when you add in your fuel cost, uh, your maintenance cost, the the road tax, it's actually cheaper to run the EV than it is the petrol equivalent, despite the fact that it's a lot more, the value is, is much higher at the moment. So as the as the value of the EV starts to, to get closer to parity with with uh, petrol, which I believe to be, is predicted now to be around 2027. When's when, it cheaper? 2027. So it's already, well, it's already cheaper now, but when, when uh, but not just to buy outright, but when you add in all of those things and maintenance is one element of it, whereby when you've added the fuel, the maintenance and all the other things already- but you don't do that all in year one, do you? You do that over a 12 year period. So- most people don't well, keep well, their no, cars. Not, well, no, 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 not over a lease. You know, three or four so, yeah, years. Yeah, three or four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With fair. all the fuel and the maintenance mm. that's going into yeah, it. Yeah, if, yeah. if you add it all together, the, the EV is already cheaper to run. Uh, and that's not even to get into the into the benefit kind tax on a car like that. So you're either paying t- uh, maybe 30 or 40 pounds benefit kind a month for the EV. You'll be paying nearly 300 pounds a month on top for the for the, uh, for the the GLC equivalent on that's company car tax. if you're a tax. business user though, right? Yeah, if you're a business user. Yeah. But yeah. even with that, and that's a massive thing, but even without that, um, most EVs are cheaper to run on a day-to-day on a basis of taking a three or four-year lease. Only on a lease. So it's only if you're a business user. Well, no, no. On a personal, personal contract high, you can do exactly the same thing. And you have a brand new vehicle, and in three or four years' time, you can take another brand new But you new don't vehicle. get the same perks if, you're, if it's personal than what you do lease, than well, what you do business. 
uh, from a company car, no, but from a from a general running, you're not paying any fuel, you're not paying any maintenance. So overall, there's still the potential savings to be made. Yeah, over over a petrol. Yeah. But I guess the, so. Well, over that, your- that finance is nudging parity, if not better, for EVs now, and that's on the basis of the original vehicle being more expensive. At the I moment. don't think there'll be so that comes anything down. in it. I, I honestly, if, I bet if you if you put the two cars together, spec for spec, I bet the EV would be easily a two or three hundred pound dearer per month. I would think. Because it's got to be, firstly, because of the price of the no, car. But, but the point being, then, you're, the, the more you might be spending on the price or the monthly, you're saving on the running yeah. costs. Okay. Yeah. So you've got, you got to look at total cost of ownership, not yeah. just the value of the I vehicle. I completely get that. But what I'm saying is, is that would you spend that extra on servicing petrol? Because don't forget, you it's not on free- petrol, for sure. I mean, well, depending on how many miles you do, well, yeah, not, we, we, we've, yeah. we've already said it's just the same. It's just the same. It's not free to charge an electric car, mate. By the way, we've already said it's similar mm-hmm. money in terms. So you wouldn't save on petrol at all. That's a myth. What, what, what do you mean? It's not similar money. It cost me a couple of quid to charge my car up at home. I think it depends at on home. Yeah, well, even on the, even on our network, it's it's maybe maybe four or five pounds to chuck in a couple hundred miles. You know, it's not it's nothing like petrol. Not even close. Uh, and the point being, you can't well, refill uh, your car at home. No. No, you can't. Well, you sleep. No, no, no. And I wake get, up in the morning with a full tank of petrol. I wake I get, up in the morning with a full, full, full battery. Yeah, yeah. Just and, I, and I get, and I get that bit. But what I'm saying is, it's not four or five quid. I I, I've never ever experienced it being four or five quid to charge your car up. It might be at home, but anywhere. We've already said that these these charge points are a rip off. I think. I think the point being, I'm I'm so with you. I, I I agree that it's not there's not it's not completely like it's definitely not free. It's definitely not super super cheap. There are costs involved, but this comes back to what I was saying earlier. Where I think at the moment it's about learning the infrastructure and learning how it can work for you. I identifying where it's affordable, where it's quick, where it's best for your car, where you know you can get in. Which to me is a massive barrier to entry. That to me just goes way too much effort, way too much hassle. If my mum did go out and buy that new Evoke as an EV and thought, screw, it, I'm going to give this a go. Uh, three days in, she'd be calling me crying. So this is, what is the point? Because she'd have to figure that stuff out. As an early adopter, as an EV enthusiast, and I know Shmoo 150, another guy in MySpace who, uh, you know, runs with uh, a Taycan, said exactly this, is that when you're on board, when you're happy to adopt these things, you can kind of almost figure out these things almost as a bit of fun and a bit of a game. Like, oh yeah, I can go there and I can charge a whole battery. Five, five quid, off I go. Brilliant, what a saving idiots like Tony and myself will just want to charge the damn thing. And I live in Southwest London in this e-tron. I Google charging spots. I tried three, nothing, but the one I ended up with did, as I say, cost me 30, 40 quid. So as an everyday non-EV, you know, enthusiast, that is a barrier to entry to me. And and whilst I might've done it wrong and you're saying that I could have saved, Tony's right in the sense where you have the potential for those costs to be as high if you're not clever enough to try and navigate the system currently. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's why we've got to improve on it, you know, because it, it, it is embryonic. It needs to, needs to get better uh, and it will. And it already is. I mean, the, the process of, of charging the services now is, is one or two steps and you plug it in, you swipe your card. That's it. Good. There's nothing else. There's nothing else to do. But but that's that's not the same everywhere yet, and the reliability isn't as good as that everywhere yet either. But it's already proven that it can be done. It's just we need more scale now. That's all. Yeah, and and maybe you know our hesitance is you know we're seeing all these manufacturers pushing towards EVs. They're all releasing. Oh, we're not going to make petrol anymore. It's all EVs, EVs, and we're like, oh god, the infrastructure isn't ready. But maybe that pressure will cr- create the changes in the infrastructure we need quicker because I, I suppose the more demand 
the well, more infrastructure we yeah, put like, in like place. Like everything, it's supply and demand, isn't it? And and now that we've got this massive uptake, you know, registrations of EVs has, has been positive throughout lockdown, despite petrol and diesel going through the floor. Um, so there's there's clearly a shift in in in, in this direction by reg- registrations from from the stats alone demonstrate that it's increasing. Uh, and as a result of that, there's people like us and many others like us, all the charge point operators that are saying, hang on a minute, these vehicles are coming now. They really are coming at a some pace. Now we've got to crank it up um, and, and deliver the infrastructure to support that, uh, to give you guys the comfort of knowing that it's not an inconvenience. Uh, and as you said, I've been doing it a long time, so it's, I'm so used to just ensuring that it's not going to be. But for your mum, it just needs to be something simple. She just needs to know where to go, pin on a map. She turns up, she plugs it in, she swipes a card and that's it, done. Go and have a coffee. Uh, and we're nearly there, but you know my caveat here, as uh, surrounded by two petrol heads, is that, <laughs> that it's um, you know it, it, it's going to take some time to put it together. But it, but it's workable now. It's doable now. I was doing. I mean, I've been driving them for twenty years. It's it's workable. Definitely, definitely workable. But it needs to be more than just workable. It needs to be practical, <coughs> easy. It's and, workable. And we're nearly there. It's workable with two hundred and fifty thousand cars, not thirty million at the moment. At the moment. Well, no, it's not. Uh, but but that everything has to take has to take that. You can't just switch everything on. You can't just have an infrastructure for thirty million cars when there's only a quarter of a million out there. <clears throat> Which would have we, been haven't, the- we haven't got time, by the way. We've only got to twenty thirty. Well, okay. So this is what I wanted to come on to, right? I think this so is that- the this is the point is that there is also this inherent pressure uh, from you know governments from I just think the global environment and the fact that there is this switch in mindset to let's save the earth, let's save the world and. EV seems to be the route that everyone's telling us we need to go or we should be going. I do want to touch very quickly at the end on things like e-fuels, hydrogen, etc. But to keep our focus on EVs for a second, um, the let's just tackle the, the final myth, which wasn't on your sheet, which uh, we spoke about, is the thought that these are, I don't know what, we wouldn't call it environmentally friendly or more environmentally friendly than theoretically petrol or diesel cars because the manufacturing, the providing of the internet, uh, the internet, the electricity, which you mentioned, a lot of it's coming from renewable. A lot of it's still fossil fuel, right? I mean, there is still, you know, a lot of bad stuff going on to, to get us the EVs that we're using and the electricity that we're powering them with. Costs yeah. more to make an electric car than it does a petrol car. Co- cost in terms of finance or in terms of carbon emissions? In terms of, I'm not sure about carbon emissions, but definitely in, co- in terms of cost of sure. money. Well, okay. which is why the, the cars are currently more expensive, but yeah. I think by 2027, there'll be cost parity. So it's coming, again, economies of scale, it's coming down all the time. Um, to your point around the emissions creation from the vehicles being made, um, two things. One is same for petrol or diesel. There's still a, there's, there's still a carbon emission to create anything. So um, less or more. Or you- well, um, there's there's likes. I can't remember the name of the factory now where the ID three is made, but that's that's already a carbon neutral factory. So okay. they they are already producing without any carbon by offsetting it in else in, in other ways. Um, How are they offsetting it? Well, it'll it'll be through you know, the the renewable energy that they use um, or by planting of trees. Yeah, the materials that they use, all that kind of stuff. Um, all of the, um, we lease vehicles too, and, and all of those vehicles are, are can be supplied with energy included. All of that's renewable from our solar farms, and we plant 100 trees for every vehicle to contribute towards any potential carbon emissions uh, during production. We don't actually need to do that because that's not part of our world, but we do it anyway. Uh, and in certain cases, like for the ID3, we'll end up being carbon negative because they're already carbon neutral at production. So it won't be that long, I suspect, until there'll be almost a you know, an obligation, if you like, probably by law, otherwise that all of the car manufacturers need to create a carbon, a carbon zero production line. Like, like I think Audi is also another one that's that's, that's getting there as well. So I think that that has to happen because it's happened have in everything we do. We, we can't stop burning stuff. We've got we've got to start recycling and, and and doing that in every in every part of um, 
of, of, of commerce really. Uh, and again, as a chicken egg, uh, chicken and egg, uh, the more demand, uh, can we build enough wind farms? Can we plant enough trees? I mean, is if we were all again, to use this example, everyone in London to switch and we suddenly got that demand on, on the, the, the grid, it, are we going to have to lean on fossil fuels now? I mean, like, when do we run out of space to build wind farms, for example? Um, well, and we touched on this before, but we, we've already demonstrated in years previous where we've had we've had periods of um, of the year where there's been no fossil fuel um, requirements at all because it's all been all been done through through renewables, and that will just keep keep getting better. Um, solar farms are, are being built all the time, um, so our dependency on fossil fuels is diminishing diminishing daily so um you know, that that's that's already been that's already been um, proven out and and we know that the energy we know there's enough energy there like i said before it's just about the the when not the not have have we got enough it's about when we use it um we just got to get smarter about that which is really just a simple algorithm for everybody's timing in terms of utilizing their energy needs for things when they don't need them when they're asleep like cars we charge them in the middle of the night not at five o'clock when everyone's cooking their dinner you know and it's just a simple simple way of, of balancing the grid out Tony, was there anything in particular which coming into this you were desperate to attack Sam with or, or try and anything address? Else? Yeah, because anything, <laughs> anything else. We've nearly, well, we've actually taken up more of your time than we should have, but I do have a couple of patrons things that I just want to do as a quick fire section before we get into that, Tony. I don't want you to walk away and go, well, yeah, but I should have. No, no, no. There was, there was the, the bit about when they come to the end of their life in terms of what we do with them then, in, you know, electric cars. Um, I know you said you can recycle the batteries. Yep. Um, you can, we can buy new ones and keep the car because, like you said, um, they don't really need servicing. So miles, you know, I know Teslas that have done hundred odd thousand miles, and the values are still quite strong. Yep. The biggest problem I have with a Tesla and Tesla as a as a company, they don't have a used car market. They only sell new cars. They don't sell used cars. So does that tell you everything? straight away do they have any trust in their actual product as a used car as in you can't go and buy a used car from a Tesla dealership no, only sell new cars so when they go back they go back out they go back into the used car network mm. but not Tesla same as McLaren <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah. but what I'm saying is, that one I, I didn't have an answer for that so I'm <laughs> yeah. really glad that you filled it <laughs> yeah. if they had such trust in their products why haven't Tesla created a used car market because the used car market essentially is more profitable than a new car market. Yeah, but I mean, Sam, if you don't have an answer there, all, all I would say is that I, I think the Tesla, Tesla business model is a very intriguing one that we need a lot of questions. It, it's not, I mean, the, yeah. the fact that they are also a network provider, all these different things, I don't always think that they're, they're not a traditional business. But then we Are Audi going to be buying back e-trons? Are Mercedes going to be buying back EQSs? That's the more interesting thought for me because if the mainstream manufacturers don't seem to have confidence in their used EV products, then we've got a bigger question to ask. But I think Tesla is such a weird and interesting case study that I wouldn't necessarily judge them. But they're the market leaders. Yeah, but they're, they're also the newest as well, aren't they? And so they've got far less vehicles out there. The, 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 you said it yourself, you know, the, the vehicles are out there doing 100 way over 100,000 miles and still just going going along just fine. So I think it's, it's going to take a bit longer for the second-hand market to fill with Teslas. Cause but in terms of electric vehicles, though, Sam, they've got the most still, right? I don't know. I bet they have. It'd be an interesting... Yeah, they would Definitely have. in California they do. But yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. I bet they've still sold more electric vehicles than anyone else. So you can't, you know, you can't compare that with what Mercedes selling, you know, right across the board because that's combustion engines. If you compare eggs with eggs 
and electric vehicles, Tesla will be miles in front. We're going to look at that stat. We'll talk about that next week. I know, but I'm I'm intrigued because you say that, but like, you know, we know now for the last few months, Porsche have been selling more Taycans in the UK than anything else. So there's been quite a few coming back as well, by the way. Okay. Okay. We'll talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So let's get into this because I say the patrons have submitted some questions. A lot of this we're going to have already um, touched on. So we'll try this as quick fire. So, you know, let's not, we won't go too much. Nick Lloyd, are EVs just a stopgap? I mentioned things like e-fuels, hydrogen and stuff like that. It, do you really see this as the future or is this just a we spoke about temporary this. fix? Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't really speak about e-fuels, um, but um, hydrogen, it's a very, it's a hugely energy intensive way of making the energy, which in order to demonstrate the hydrogen in the first place, um, I think- it, <laughs> Sorry, my dog's now starting to come over some attention. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think- I'm not a not a massive hydrogen fan. I think there's potentially uh, a use case for it in more of the uh, the larger trucks and the larger trains and buses and things like that. But I think for cars, I think EV is probably going to be, be. I mean, it's still a, even hydrogen, still an electric car. But I think I think batteries are, are are improving at such an alarming rate that or such a fast rate that that uh, it won't be long before there's three, four, five hundred miles in a in a tank, so to speak. Um, and then and then we'll be fine. So I don't I don't think hydrogen is necessarily the right way forward for cars. Okay. Uh, John Baker, I'm thinking of getting solar to generate some electricity for home and eventually automotive use. Do you think this is going to be more commonplace in future? I basically people trying to be renewable, supplying their own renewable energy at home. Yep. I've just started doing it myself. I've got two electric cars on the driveway. Um, I'm putting solar in at the moment and batteries um, so that I can generate my own energy. Um, and then that energy goes back into back into the uh, the house and and the car in the future, and then I'll just keep upgrading it and hopefully get it get it bigger and bigger as I go along. But yes, generating energy from your own own roof uh, through solar is a is a logical thing for me to do. But I mean, there is obviously a um, you know a payback time to do that. Um, but again, something like solar again, the, the price point is coming down all the time. Amazing, uh, Matt Pickford. Will we be able to get wireless charging like you can do on your phone? Do you see that? Wireless charging in place? Uh, not a massive fan. Again, I think in the commercial world, it might have its place in in, in taxis and buses. I think again for cars, um, it's it's very very expensive when when a cable is is equally as well, far far more practical. Um, the static and dynamic um, induction, um, static being when you you, know, you just you park up and, and it works, and dynamic is the concept of doing it on the motorways as you're going along, it's charging. But I think the cost of that would just be astronomic. So um, again, I think as the batteries get better and we're into the three, four, five hundred mile range. Um, you don't need dynamic um, uh, induction charging. And I think the static stuff is um, is probably more for commercial traffic. And a cable's not more practical if you live in an apartment, by the way. It's a pain in the ass. Well, not if they're already plugged in downstairs. You mean out your window is what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not, 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 not many apartments in London have even got car parking spaces. Well, it doesn't work for induction charging either then, does it? But, um, I mean, that's where the public infrastructure um, needs to needs to improve. Yeah, that, that is a, not just in London, in just in general... We see all these apartments. I mean, it's even, they've even high gone rises, up around here, yeah, high yeah. rises, because land's a premium in the mm-hmm. UK. Of course. You know, and and we can go on and on and on about this. There's there's parts of this country and other countries, because we've got to talk about world, where EVs just won't be practical. You know, well, yes, we've mentioned that before. Peru, part, even parts of America, parts Africa, of America. parts yeah, of China, yeah. you know. It just they, won't work. I don't think they'll ever be able to input the infrastructure but maybe and probably a point we could have touched on maybe we can try quickly is as the technology moves forward is there ever a point where we could see a thousand mile range from evs or is there a point where the batteries can't get small enough and the weight can't get low enough i don't know where the technology ends i mean do, mm. we, do any of us know that um i don't think having a, a thousand miles is necessarily 
it's just not needed, is it? Especially in the UK, I mean, we're an island and there's only so far you can go in one direction. You know, and I think it was the I think it was the chairman of VW a few years back said we've all got a bladder range of about 200 miles anyway. So there is an element of needing to stop on a long journey, no matter where you are in the world. You, you need to stop. You need to rest. You know, it's it's by law for lorries anyway. And if if you can stop because mentally you need a rest. And, and whilst you're mentally resting, you can get enough energy in your in your batteries while you're doing that. Then you're recharging your own batteries as well as the one in your vehicle. Then you're covering two bases and it's fine. So if if if, if it means that a 10, 15 minute break and you're getting a good few hundred miles in your in your uh, EV uh, battery in that time, then 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 you're sorted. So you don't necessarily need to have a thousand miles in a vehicle to to do that. I suppose the benefit of being in a petrol or diesel car across. Uh, a desert or those you can have a jerry can with you and i suppose at the moment you know that that is the question of, of these more remote locations more uh, uh hardcore environments you know what, what's what's your op you know what's the possibility there maybe live in the out charging packs or whatever it would be yeah i mean at risk of teeing, teeing myself up for another another fall here i mean you've got formula e cars traveling 170 miles an hour you've got a You've got, you've, got EV, you've got EV adventurers that are travelling pole to pole on electric vehicles demonstrating mm. the ability and it's not easy but they're adventurers and they're doing it to yeah. demonstrate the art of the possible and that will continually get better. My last question because I say we're going to go we're going to go well over here. Uh, Edward Tainish just because I just I want to know and I think I know the answer and it's going to upset me. Uh, in your opinion which manufacturer is making the best EV product? And actually you know what I'm just going to say ruling out Tesla. Um, I think uh, ironically, some might say, I think VW are doing a good job with the ID3, ID4. I think they look great. Um, uh, God, it's really hard to say. Um, Mercedes with their EQ range, it just seems to get better and better all the time. Um, so yeah, they're the two that would immediately spring to mind. Uh, the stuff yeah. that excites you, basically. You're excited by the cars. Because I'm excited as a petrol. I, I like some of these EVs coming yeah. out. So yeah. you're not sitting there being like, oh, it's only Tesla. It's odd as well that you've said the Volkswagen... What's it, what's it called? ID3, ID3 ID4. ID4. So uh, I know from my end of the business, they've got problems with them cars. Oh, God. Right. So they, they you won't know that. They had problems with diesel as well, just not that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't, yeah, they did, yeah, they did actually, to be fair. But yeah, what I'm saying is, is that that's one, of, that's one of your In a minute, Tony, in, in less than a minute, touch on that problem. Go on, just do it. Because we're going to finish up. We, I can't let you say that and just be like, oh, just so you know, there are like, problems there. Uh, we're here to do EVs. Go yeah, on, what's yeah. that problem? It, apparently there's charging problems with them. What do you mean? Well, that's all I know. There's but, charging but, okay, problems so with them. All I'm gonna, okay, I so as my, I, I'm <laughs> going to summarise in a second what I think I've learned and you can say what you think you might have learned, Tony. But, to be on the fence here, you can't just say there's charging problems. Yeah. It's like when we say with McLaren's, oh, they don't work. We have to explain why they don't work. And so this is a big thing, I think, that is another barrier with EVs. And, and for us as petrol heads, we don't like, because you you hear things like this. When I see Shmi struggling to charge his Taycan, getting in a headache, I'm like, you know, I would have at one point thought of getting a Taycan cross to Rizzo. What a cool looking car. But now I'm like, oh, not a chance in hell. So when you say that in my head, I go, oh, crap, well, I do three, I do four, load of crap. But we have to figure out what those problems are. Okay, fine. So I would have guessed charging problems. The cars won't take a charge. So... I'd need to find. I can find out. Find out. We'll we'll pick that up next week. Yeah, Yeah, we've we've had hundreds of them charge at our our forecourt without a problem at all. So um, yeah, 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 I'm not. I'm not not saying that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying my my. You did a second ago. That's what. This is what I've been told. They had 
that he, he can say that he's had hundreds of them. That's probably all of them, actually. If it's <laughs> all of them ever made. <laughs> no, but this is the thing: is is I think it's very easy in a petrolhead community or in a slightly you know old school minded community to make quick assumptions about EVs. And I'm de- I definitely am, I do that as well. And we've done it on this podcast many times. And there is that that point. But with what we've learned today and what we've got to accept and got to appreciate, there are two sides of the stories. And this is, this is definitely your world. You're as say EV evangelist, it's how you spent your life the last 15 years. So you're going to be very pro this. Um, I still am skeptical. I think, I think what I've learned from you is that there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of things to be positive about. Things are moving forward in a rapid place. For me, it's still not there for me. It doesn't convince me that I'm ready or I would want to. I think it's too much for me to take on at, at the moment. I'm happy in petrols and, and diesels or whatever, but I'm totally on board with the hybrid. I, within the city, I think EVs are great. I'm just not ready with everything that I've seen to jump into an EV on a, you know, in a daily car basis, my one and only car yeah. personally. I think it'd be good to have this conversation again in, in, in a matter of months, maybe, you know, just to see how the infrastructure has changed in that short period of time and see whether you still, still got the same, same opinion. And I was never expecting to come into this lion's den and convert <laughs> you guys into, into EVs because that was never going to happen. Um, but, you know, I've been driving thousands and thousands and thousands of miles, long, long distances, and it's not been an issue, you know, and, and, and that will, that will, that's going to be the norm. It's going to be the norm. And I, the last thing I want to do is come on a forum like this and go, well, look out guys, because the band's coming, whether you like it or not. Because that's not going to help, is it? But the reality is that that is what's going to happen and the transition will work. And and I know it's practical because I've been doing it a long time. But but when? This is what, this is, I mean, time is of the essence. But another problem we have is, will, will will we be ready in 2030? I can't see we will be. Well, We've got 169 service station star locations to upgrade, which will be done by the end of this year. We've got another 100 um, electric forecourts to build in the next five years. And that's just what we're doing alone. Um, the likes of BP and Shell and others, you know, you've, you've mentioned it on previous podcasts around what they're doing with, mm-hmm. with forecourts in London and changing them, converting them to electric. If everyone is doing that, and they clearly are because it's in the news every week, um, then we will be ready because it's coming. The, the infrastructure is coming. It's, it's it's in the news literally every week. So so you know time will tell. But it's it's all coming through now as the as the uptake of EV registrations goes up. I think has been a, you know especially in the last few months has been a, a real um, topic about hang on a minute infrastructure. But we're all there and we're all doing it. We're putting it in. I think a few months would be too soon to have you back on. I think it's a couple of years. We'll have him on in a couple of years. <laughs> He just doesn't want to see I'm it. trying to work out whether that means I've done a good job and he doesn't no, want to no, be back. No, no, no. Whether he just doesn't like me wants to get rid of me. No, 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 no. I'd happily, I'd happily have you on every week because we're going to run out of time and there's so much more we, we need to discuss around this. But but what I'm saying is is that the, if you're saying that the rate the rate of growth, growth and change will be, thank you, will, will go that quickly in a few months, let's really see where it is in like... 2024 or 2025 hope you yeah. come on back well, one, then, but, but what <laughs> you know well, what I mean no you're right and one thing we've discussed off air a lot Sam is the thought of Tony and I going and, and buying an EV and living with it but actually you know Tim's doing a great job of documenting that at the moment and I think having Tony in his current mindset it, it just would be hell oh. um, so 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 yeah. maybe that'll be it maybe in, you know six six to six to twelve months we'll try and we'll get get an EV maybe even as a long-term loan if some very kind manufacturer out there is willing to put themselves through that pain uh, and then we can get you back on and we can 
can talk through our experience and see, you know, and we'll, we'll use this episode to look back and, and address some points and see uh, how more miserable Tony is. But um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on as I say, you know, we're taking up quite a lot of your time. Okay. So I appreciate it massively. You know, I, I do think you've done a great job at, uh, at tackling a lot of the things that we've definitely either made up or made good. assumptions about. Very good, Tony. Like a, I, I, knew, I knew this was going to be tough. I don't know how, how well I've managed to play No, you've done incredibly yeah, you've done well. well. So, you know, definitely, you know, correct some of our two roles. To one as well, which is, although... Well, no, Sam, no, you're, you're, a little bit more, know, you're a little I, bit more accommodating. Yeah, no, no, because I'm, I'm, so, I'm definitely <laughs> pro change, but, but I'm just, you know, I'm not there yet. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of what's going on. So yeah, thank you so much, and really appreciate it. If people want to, I guess, what uh, can they follow you? Can they check out what Grid Server up to? What, what's the best thing? Are you? Uh, yeah, follow me. Um, typically on LinkedIn. Um, uh, please do follow Grid Server. There's so much that we're doing with, with, um, with more than just cars, but, but um, more than just leasing cars, but building solar, solar, um, and hybrid farms as well as everything else. So so there's loads and loads of information there. Um, I do an EV cafe every month, um, which is for the for the, anyone in the community to understand more about EVs. Just to, we get loads of um, high profile people on to talk about EVs and understand them better. So so there's lots of different forums. To, to Amazing, choose. perfect. Well, yes, and if you want to follow Tony, he's at Tony Gravelwood Car Sales on most social social media platforms. Well, I can't speak today. I'm at Seen Through Glass on most social media platforms, and we'll be back with you next week, probably just to dissect this episode. <laughs> so make sure you subscribe, turn on notifications, and keep following us whatever platform you're listening. Thanks so much. Bye bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.